0: Welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm Helge wurdemann I'm a roboticist, I'm a soft roboticist, and I'm a lecturer in medical devices and robotics at University College London.
0: Mm-hmm. So before going to uh, the interview, just let me what the first robot you built and what was the feeling at this time?
1: My um, my career in the soft robotics community started really with managing uh, the Stifflock project, which is a, which was a large EU project mm-hmm. looking into soft robotics for minimally invasive surgery, and this was under coordination of Professor Caspar Althöfer. And there, I was actually building together with um, our collaborators from SSSA, uh, the first a soft robot for minimally invasive surgery. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. So from your experience, how you define soft robotics, from your perspective?
1: The area of soft robotics is very much a multidisciplinary Mm -hmm. um, field. So for me, it involves material science, um, manufacturing and design, very mechanical, Uh, disciplines, but it goes also beyond this. Mm -hmm. And it, of course, involves also uh, how to interface these soft robotic um, structures and systems with actuation um, and also put some intelligence in there. So that's computer science. But it's very much defined for me, at Mm -hmm. least through these uh, mechanical disciplines, looking into different type of soft materials Mm -hmm. and to make use of them and uh, design systems made out of soft Mm -hmm. materials. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. So, do you agree that soft robotics must be fully soft or just hybrid? How do you think about this definition because there are different definitions?
1: I think the first the start of soft robotics was not at all looking into different materials. I think that was more uh, looking into variable stiffness actuators for collaborative robots so robots that are working closely together Mm -hmm. with humans and then can adapt um, kind of their softness in their joints in order to uh, be inherently safe or at least safer than traditional rigid robots. So I believe as long as there is a certain part uh, that or structure made out of kind of a soft material, I would consider this as a soft robotic device. In fact, um, when I came to UCL, the first time um, I was, my colleagues are all mechanical engineers. So I looked not into uh, maybe soft robotics application, but uh, soft material applications where Mm. I designed a haptic device that was purely mechanical driven but still made use out of soft materials.
0: Mm-hmm. So could you please tell us more about your research, what you're interested in soft robotics, what kind of projects you uh, envision in your career in soft robotics field?
1: So when I started as a, a lecturer at uh, University College London, mm-hmm. I established the field of soft haptics. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm looking there into um, the area of soft robotics and how can I apply this to the world of haptics? Uh, But my research goes beyond this. So we also um, investigate and explore new soft and stiffness controllable Mm -hmm. robotic structure. And uh, they are looking into shifting um, functional materials. So we look into stiffness controllable materials that mm-hmm. can not only be used for stiffness controllability but also for actuation. And the applications are uh, manifold. So on the one side, I'm looking very much into the healthcare engineering sector, into minimally invasive surgery, cardiovascular interventions. Mm-hmm and but I'm also looking into collaborative robots. So how can we design the next generation of collaborative robots? And recently, I'm also looking into the field of autonomous cars. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are familiar with the field and they uh, combine this usually with a lot of sensing fusion, Mm -hmm. uh, imaging, but I'm looking more with a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Bani Anbari into how can we um, design soft shape-changing driver seat to inform the driver uh, when it's necessary to um, change between different levels of autonomy.
0: That's very interesting. So could you please tell us about this project? What can be is industry there's a kind of cooperation to come this project to real world? And
1: so th- this is called the ICE project. it's uh, funded by the UK government from a funding body from the UK government. and um, we have identified um, in this project uh, together my, with my colleagues from uh, the transport engineering group here at UCL, that there is a safety risk uh, when there is a transition request from an highly automated car, uh, between different levels of autonomy so especially when autonomy is giving back to the driver mm-hmm. it is essential to inform the driver that now the control is not anymore with the autonomous car but with the driver
0: mm-hmm. and
1: our thoughts so we were inspired in fact by a uh, uh, advertising uh, movie from GM General Motors from the US, who in 1965, mm-hmm. proposed how they think autonomous uh, cars should be introduced. And they, they uh, kind of took the example of a uh, airfield where you have a, a person in the tower who will guide very intuitively how to give in the autonomy to the car or take back control. So we were looking at at current cars. And when you go through different autonomy levels, you still require a driver and this driver will still sit in the driving seat. And so he has a large surface with where there's interaction with the driver's seat. And we're looking now into converting a standard driving seat into a soft robotic Mm -hmm. stiffness controllable uh, seat that can change shape. And by changing between different shapes, we try to inform the driver which autonomy level he is in, but also increase the awareness, the situational awareness mm-hmm. of the driver to make these transitions safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So let me ask you, if there is any companies like Tesla or other companies in autonomous car interested in this project to be applied in, in the long run as co- a term of autonomy? Yeah, so,
1: so first you see that it is very much multidisciplinary. So I'm the... Soft roboticists, if you like, and I work with the transport uh, with the Center for Transport Studies at Mm -hmm. UCL, so a a field that is not uh, very much in in the soft robotics community. And but they have, in fact, several um, uh, industrial uh, partners and interest groups that are interested in some uh, seed like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, one uh, company is uh, Land Rover Jaguar um, in the UK. So they made available a uh, seat mm-hmm. which we will then convert into a soft stiffness controllable shape changing seat and that will be implemented into the, uh, the their driver simulator, which is at the University of Southampton.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I, we also have now uh, contact through this project with uh, Company called Ansible Motion, and this company is looking into the next generation of driving simulators, and they have a lot of more contacts to OEMs, so uh, car manufacturers, and they have confirmed that there is an interest in mm-hmm. maybe a soft stiffness controllable seat, but certainly. Giving haptic feedback to the driver. And I believe that soft robotics can make an impact because soft robots are considered at, as inherently safe.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what are the limitations or challenges on uh, this project you face already?
1: So, in this project specifically, um, we have the challenge of not only the Designing but manufacturing mm-hmm. soft robots on a different scale. So, usually, when you go into a lab environment, I would say the, uh, the soft robots that uh, cur- are currently developed, the majority of them are a, a couple of centimeters, some of them are in millimeters um, dimensions. But what we are lo- looking in is going almost to a meter. Uh, t- times a meter dimension. So we want to convert the entire seat, which is a large surface into a soft robot, into mm-hmm. a big soft robot. So that really uh, drives us to look into new manufacturing and fabrication techniques. And um, considering molding uh, might be a possibility still, but still reaches its limitation.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So, from your experience, what are misconceptions about soft robotics in general? Something you think we don't understand fully uh, correctly, or misconception? What What do you think about?
1: So, when you talk about, and particularly, I believe, the soft robotics, I think because the word soft robotics was mostly used many years ago Mm -hmm. for these variable stiffness actuators. um, Sami had was uh, is a pioneer in, in, in developing control algorithms for these variable stiffness actuators mm-hmm. to make traditional robots uh, safer to work with the uh, human. And uh, when we talk about the world, the word of soft robotics, I believe that the majority of us today mean, in fact, that we work with different type of materials. So sometimes there is a um, misinterpretation of the word soft robotics and what Uh, what disciplines this uh, field actually requires
0: Mm -hmm. and what kind of questions that we didn't consider yet as in soft robotics community some question you think is really important to be considered and haven't been addressed yet
1: so one one of the questions that i sometimes face in in particularly when looking into fundamental research of soft robotics is the application
0: Mm -hmm. so i
1: think that the public especially the public does not really see the applications because um, and up to now there have been only limited success in converting uh, research results into um, the mainstream uh, if you like. So so building a company around a spin off around uh, a topic. So one, one of the examples is uh, the soft actuator. I think the the father of soft robotics in Japan has his uh, company um, building soft McKibben actuators and selling them, mm-hmm. but apart from this, there has only been limited success in very application-driven areas for soft robotics, and make them also useful for a wide range of of users.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So you mentioned that intelligence is part of soft robotics. How would you define or see intelligence in soft robotics?
1: And so let me start shortly with intelligence in general. So this is usually defined, I would say, by the computer science uh, community, where they develop algorithms, artificial intelligence um, and so on, that can be then applied to uh, robotics uh, mm-hmm. structure. And um, but I think with the area of soft robotics, this can be defined completely new, because I think there is quite a lot of potential to mm-hmm. not only give, let's say, uh, intelligence from the software, but intelligence from the design uh, to, uh, to, for example, use um functional material, smart material, or even shift material, Mm -hmm. or have um, functional structures uh, embedded into a robot that provide a certain level of intelligence. Mm
0: -hmm. So what do you think about um, intelligent and soft robotics? If we have uh, the right body design and morphological desire to design, and intelligence. How you see this integration? Do you think that we're missing something yet, or we understand how we uh, design a perfect uh, design for the shape of the soft robots and the intelligent part? How you see this integration?
1: Um, so I think the a, a big part of the intelligence can actually come from um, from the design process, uh, mm-hmm. looking into functional structures, um, make. It intelligence by design. Um, so for instance, uh, TU Berlin, they are developing their hands, their soft hands, mm-hmm. and they are looking into grasping different objects. So there's a basic fundamental level of intelligence already integrated into the design of a, a hand in this case, or in a soft robotic structure. Mm-hmm. And I think by adding and software intelligence to the inter, uh, to the soft robotic uh, system that we can even go, go beyond uh, what we know in terms of intelligence of traditional robotics.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you think that simulation maybe gives in, us insights in designing uh, the desired morphology of soft robotics? Do you think this is something could be really uh, guide us to some insightful result? Or do you think this is still challenging, to have, that simulation can capture the real uh, natural dynamics of soft robotics?
1: When I started working uh, with Kasper and the entire yeah. team on the Stiflop project, mm-hmm. we actually, uh, I actually witnessed the, um, the limitations of um, simulations firsthand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we uh, kind of had two, two, three groups, and one group was looking into uh, developing the actual hardware. And on the other side, we had a group that were uh, developing learning algorithms or uh, control algorithms uh, based on a simulator. But when we actually came together, so the all the algorithms the control and all the simulation algorithms were integrated into the hardware, we faced yeah. extreme challenges. And um, because at that time, of course, the world of soft robotics was quite uh, new, and uh, we had to actually build up some certain experience. But when it comes to soft robotics, there actually is a really big challenge to transfer simulation results into the real um, physical uh, prototype. And it starts already with the manufacturing process. And this is, I would describe as more an art uh, process where you actually have to create uh, your soft robot, which can be always different to the one that you have on your in your cat drawings in your computer aided design program. And each of these uh, soft robots are slightly different to each other. So they would behave in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. And to capture that with simulation is extremely challenging. And I understand that a lot of people have made um, crucial uh, advancements in applying uh, numerical or analytical models for soft robotics, making them real time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think they are still um, a big challenge how to transfer these simulation results onto real soft robotic prototypes.
0: Mm-hmm. so do you have any ideas what could be solution to that we have something sex like simulation to reality that can be really capture what happening in soft robotics do you have any kind of solutions come to your mind or any thoughts in this regard
1: i think um, it is uh, also crucial to make data available open source. Mm-hmm. Um, and we point. see this also in another community in the grasping community. And I think uh, Berkeley is one of the institutions which are pushing these open source data uh, forward. And I think also Bristol is quite active in this to make um, all this data. Mm-hmm. And we talk now about uh, soft robots, all this data available. So if we build different type of soft robots, um, how can we share uh, the behavior, the uh, data about the workspace, and, and uh, several other data available to a big, uh, bigger community so that it can be used by this uh, bigger community and then can be used for Uh, simulation as well. Mm
0: -hmm. That's a good point. So, I would like to ask you if there's any upcoming interesting project you're working on with your team. If there's any, just tell our audience what what kind of project you're working on. Yeah,
1: so so I think we... I already mentioned this IC project. I find that very interesting also from the perspective to work with uh, traffic engineers.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And another project I have at the moment is in the area of cardiovascular interventions. Mm-hmm. And, and it is concerning uh, minimally invasive interventions where you put a balloon catheter into the aortic, um, into the aorta, and you drive it up to the aortic valve and you inflate this balloon there to break the leaflets. And I figured that well, I, and I, I figured out that this is one of the rare, it's a many device, but this is one of the rare devices which are actually a soft inflatable uh, structure that is already FDA approved. Mm -hmm. And it's it's used also for other uh, vascular interventions, but it's actually a manual driven soft balloon. And I'm looking into now robotizing this. So I have uh, interfaced this with a syringe pump Mm -hmm. uh, to monitor the volume of water that's pumped into this balloon and pressure data, and then to identify what is the cross section of the aortic valve, but also to identify the um, the stiffness of the vessel tissue. Um, I find this very interesting because um, there is a big hype about soft robotics with applications and healthcare or mm-hmm. surgical in the surgical area. But in fact this balloon catheter is one of these soft structures that already exist and that mm-hmm. is used on a daily basis.
0: Oh that's a, that's a good point. So, so let me ask you about the hype. What do you think about the hype of that everything can be solved with soft robotics? And this is something also in AI community, what do you think about this kind of hype in research?
1: And so when I think about soft robotics and uh, robotics in general, I think um, that hype can easily uh, um, uh, occur if we as engineers create our own problems, and we think we can solve it with robotics only, but I'm a big friend of uh, working with actually sometimes end users, so in my case, it's clinicians,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, to identify the real challenges and the real problems that they have to overcome then, and not always propose a fully robotic device, but only look into where does actually robotic and artificial intelligence help to increase the patient outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. Great so uh i don't know if you think that this is something have been done in every software research because sometimes we we don't have this access to the end user do you think this kind of regulation we have to do in the research that make sure it's friendly and uh, meeting expectation of a real world application is something we have to come up with regulation or s consideration in this case
1: yeah i think there are benefits and disadvantages in regulations. Obviously, you don't want to constrain um, a very creative um, research community in their um, innovative um, ideas. Um, So I think on a research level, it is um, not required in my view to put in regulations. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people do fantastic work in um, understanding the fundamentals of uh, certain soft robotics, soft, soft robotic structures or novel soft robots. Um, of course, when it goes into higher into translation, and um, you have to put in certain regulations, and I'm sure that only the work that really changes people's lives, or where people see the need, of using a certain device will be successful. But this doesn't apply to soft robotics only, but yeah. I think this applies to any any field.
0: Yeah, exactly. So do you think that working in different uh, field, like working with clinician and material science, do you think this is a challenging soft robotics that we really understand each other, we are on the same page, Or What do you think of these differences in the field? Do you think it's really uh, achieving the good result or still we have to work on understanding each other? How would you think about that?
1: Um, I think the field of soft robotics is already not a discipline in itself as I mentioned earlier, it really combines different disciplines. It it combines the discipline of mechanical engineering. So you have material science, manufacturing design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the design is very different to uh, the design of rigid robots where you just uh, CNC a part or you you 3D print a part. So it's very different. And then you have uh, electric and electronic engineering, and you have uh, computer scientists. Mm -hmm. So within soft robotics, there's already a very multidisciplinary approach needed. And so I think that most, of course, that's all in the engineering uh, field of engineering. Uh, When it comes to real world problems, I think it is essential to have, for instance, clinicians, or in my case, also traffic engineers on board. And even the public uh, because they need to verify and validate the system that we are building and to give us feedback uh, in what sense we meet the user's requirements and needs and and where we haven't achieved to to address them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that because people in the field of soft robotics are already working in a multidisciplinary field, and working with disciplines like clinicians or traffic engineers is easier for them. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you, what is the most promising project uh, have been done so far by other research groups of robotics?
1: So what I think that are very promising is, um, I can think of many, mm-hmm. in fact, they are, they are more, I think, categorized, maybe an application area. So if you think of, um, of the a very exciting um, topic in, in terms of growing robots, um, I think uh, colleagues from IIT are working in there, but also from Stanford and, yeah. and uh, reconfigurable robots. Uh, Jamie Paik is very successful in that field. So look into how reconfigurable robots can be re- redefined in a way and make use out of the elements in soft robotics and apply them to uh, reconfigurable robots. But then there is a whole field of grasping. And uh, many years back, uh, this grasping problem was uh, people tried to solve it by just having robotic hands Mm -hmm. to pin pick objects, but they have moved forward uh, quite a lot and got some exciting results from uh, I mentioned the colleagues from TU Berlin, but also Bristol and and Berkeley is uh, I mentioned Berkeley as well in, in making data accessible to everyone
0: yeah.
1: and then there's of course the whole field of interventional or surgical science um, I think there are very nice applications put forward by Harvard to massage the heart in a way or mm-hmm. also uh, our work together with SSA and the Stifler project.
0: That's a great. So I don't know what you think about the challenging that could face robotics in the long run, something you think could be challenging in the to to soft robotics research in the coming years?
1: I think um, when when we want to look into solving problems for the end user or for the public, I think we need to look into very much application-driven research. Mm -hmm. So look into where soft robotics really can make the difference compared to any other type of robotics, but also, um, in terms of uh, providing a solution a robotic solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the challenges there is durability. So I work partially also into in, in developing haptic feedback for prosthetic devices. Yeah. And when I look into how cosmetic prosthetic devices even fingertip digits are made for Real daily use, they use a completely different type of silicon. So, we most of us use Ecoflex mm-hmm. silicon material or rubber like material, but they use a completely different type of material which is also baked in an oven to make it more durable. Mm-hmm. So, in order to provide durability, I think we have to look into what is used today in the market in terms of soft structures that are already in the market and make use of materials there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also, I think, important point. So I would like to ask you a futuristic question about the future. How, how you would see soft robotics would be in the future? If you just sit with yourself and imagine, I would see it in the future in this shape or be in homes, how it comes to mind or resonate in your mind soft robotics in the future
1: and i think that some of the soft robotics robotic solutions i think will come into industry first mm-hmm. um, there is a so if you talk to an industrial expert there is a quite wide range of um, tasks that can be uh, performed in collaboration with a robot. So where the human closely works with the robot and there, it is crucial to look into robotic devices that are inherently safe. Mm-hmm. And I think soft and stiffness controllable robots can provide a solution. And I think then industry if industry looks for and identifies a solution for this problem, which can be also uh, soft. Um, and we, we've seen how Uh, some uh, robotics uh, manufacturer cover their device in inflatable um, skins, Mm -hmm. uh, if you want, Then I think it will also uh, make inroads into our homes. Um, And there we talk then about um, social robotics. Um, So if you do not only want to have a social robot that can entertain you in a way or talk to you if we talk about a robot that can actually execute tasks and um, i think if we can um, allow soft robots to be applied in industry then they will also have a good chance to be applied in our homes
0: mm-hmm. so recent time do you think that soft robotics can find a niche in industry you think that something is really you can find responsive from uh, different industrial sectors to apply soft robotics in their tech. Do you think that?
1: I think there are many um, opportunities if they can overcome the durability uh, aspects and the manufacturing aspects of soft robots. Uh, one one application I just mentioned about uh, collaborative robots and uh, designing either soft, uh, soft uh, actuators, but also look into what we have done uh, soft variable, uh, stiffness controllable variable links. And mm-hmm. um, another uh, niche would be looking into grasping. And uh, we know that uh, a lot of fruits and vegetables are hand-picked. in a way there's not of not a lot of technology available that automates these processes. And I think when it comes to delicate products, and how to handle delicate product products, and look into uh, the shape variation within even one type of these delicate products. So mm-hmm. if we talk about strawberries, they never have the same size and yeah. shape. I think soft robotics and soft robotic hand can actually provide an advantage. Uh, for the industrial sector.
0: Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, how do you think people feel about soft robotics or how do you want to see it? If you're working on a project on soft robotics, how do you think the layperson can feel about this technology? Do you have any thoughts on this point?
1: Um, I think there's in general a very positive perception of soft robotics. Mm -hmm. And when they are when when we see how soft robotic actuators move, how they behave, they, they are behaving in a welcoming way. So they are more uh, because they have some of them are bio inspired they they they, uh, react or they uh, they uh, move in a more delicate uh, way compared to a rigid uh, robot. So I think they're more welcoming. Mm-hmm. And when when people touch, in yeah. fact, these soft robotic devices, I think they are, because they are most of them, in fact, are squeezable,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: people actually react positively to them.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think this question coming maybe for robotics in general and soft robotics community, how we can make sure that soft robotics would be beneficial to human as a well? whole? How we can make sure that?
1: Yeah, I think th- you're absolutely right. Uh, this is uh, not only for soft robotics. Yeah. Maybe not only for robotics, but it uh, is any device that you want to make um, mm-hmm. accessible and uh, valuable to people. Um, and and that's actually the key point, you have to um, address the user needs and overcome their crucial problem, Uh, maybe a challenge that they face on a daily basis, in order for them to see the benefit in using your device. Um, And this is starting. So if you want to develop a system for this, the public, I think you have to really um, look into application-driven
0: um,
1: mm-hmm. research.
0: Yeah, so let me ask you how you see the integration about artificial intelligence and soft robotics. For instance, do you think that we have to think that soft robotics must have notion besides being logic as well? So, how you see this integration could be?
1: We already spoke at the start a little bit about intelligence and soft robotics and I think that um, as I mentioned there, there's a certain intelligence in soft robotics that can be integrated to the design, which mm-hmm. is a clear advantage over uh, traditional robotics. And um, when it comes to um, uh, uh, current artificial intelligence, uh, uh, that is available for traditional robots, I think that there will be a, a lot of or a lot of chance to also apply these algorithms to the to soft robotics structures and uh, systems but I think there are also new um, problems that mm-hmm. artificial intelligence can be uh, used for to overcome uh, problems that are just introduced by soft structures so uh, in the lab downstairs we have uh, collaborative robot and the links are made out of soft stiffness controllable links. Mm -hmm. And based on the um, softness or the stiffness of each of the links, the uh, kinematics will be different, because they are the links, each of the links will bend slightly. So when you want to develop some path planning algorithms, you have to kind of adjust the kinematics. Um, to accurately follow a certain path, and I think there can be also artificial intelligence um, uh, beneficial by learning uh, to correct the inverse kinematics, for instance.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about smart materials? If we just, do you think that uh, the community we have to? take more in this direction however there is of course shortcoming in the recent moment but do you think this is something we have to maybe investigate using smart material that can sense as well
1: yes I think that is a very good point that you're making and um, I would even argue that mm-hmm. the materials community actually provide the uh, fundamentals for soft robotics research without them opening this new field of research would have not been possible. And
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: so and I think there's a vast um, amount of different materials which we have not even as roboticists considered to build our systems with. Um, and I think then not only using them to design robots, but actually, um Um, uh, designing uh, robots that make use in, again, different ways of these smart or functional materials will open again another big field um, in in the field of soft robotics itself. So when, when we look When I look into my lab, for instance, we use uh, low melting point alloy and this has been around for several years and people have used it for stiffening. But what we do, we actually shift this material when it's liquid Mm -hmm. um, and use it as an actuation means. So we combine stiffness, uh, the stiffening mechanism and actuation into one chamber. So you can increase stiffness when you elongate or bend a manipulator but you can also miniaturize even further because you use the same chamber for actuation and stiffening Mm -hmm. so material science just opens new doors in soft robotics
0: yeah exactly so let me ask you if just we come up with the projects like you mentioned that soft robotics can be used for picking strawberry and this kind of agriculture Mm-hmm. Do you think that this could lead to social inequality in some countries that highly depend on uh, and co-workers working and picking the, this kind of uh, fruits or something? Do you think that we have to think about what this technology can lead in the future? Because I think most of the technology maybe doesn't consider this aspect about what could happen and affect in, in, in society. Do you think this could imply soft robotics in somehow? Or how you see that? Or this something is something too early to... To consider.
1: So I think we have to learn from other areas here mm-hmm. as well. And you're making, again, a very important point here, when we um, find applications for robotics and soft robotics, there's always the danger that we push away mm-hmm. uh, the human out of the role, because mm-hmm. the human was doing the job before the robot came in. And mm-hmm. um, so that's obviously the danger. And there's always the danger that robotics or soft robotics will be used to create negative impact um, in a way and we have to prevent this and there have to be guidelines and uh, uh, for preventing these negative impacts. And on the other hand, I think, um, picking fruits, for instance, for hours, uh, sometimes in, in the heat is not very enjoyable for any human. So these jobs or these uh, tasks should not be done by I I don't wish anyone to do this though. I know that of course, in our world this is done by by labor, human labor. But I think that uh, impacting this um, with um, or applying robotics into Mm -hmm. this field is It will benefit also these people who usually do it. Uh, What we have to be careful about here is I think to educate the people that we push away. Mm -hmm. So we have to uh, kind of educate them to maintain uh, robotic devices to um, uh, to control them to repair them and to move them up the educational ladder if you want, uh, so that they don't feel left behind.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great message. So do you think ego is important for the researcher from your perspective?
1: I heard a very good talk at Iros two thousand and nineteen from NASA, and mm-hmm. they actually introduced a humanoid robot, and the person said the head is always overrated. Mm. So he meant the head of the humanoid robot. But I think in a group, also, the head is also overrated, because without the team, the entire group is not is, is not not existing. Mm -hmm. So I think that there should not be a clear hierarchy in a group, but there should be a kind of flat hierarchy in a in a group because the entire team And the ideas that are coming out of the entire team are extremely important. And if you do not have people in your team that are functioning together, that are happy to collaborate with each other, to bring in their best every day, even the head of the group um, would vanish.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a question about, if you are a leader of your group, how you make sure things are going in the right direction? If there is an argument also, how you handle it? Or anyway, this is something is like a journey and how this is in a couple of years, if you have a project, you make sure you're going in the right direction.
1: Um, I think um, when I look at my team in and, and particular, I think diversity is key if, if, I think research has shown over many years that if you have uh, a diverse team, uh, they are able to look at challenges and problems and uh, ideas from different sides. And that's actually true. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, as, as a leader, I just have to make sure to get the to to motivate them on a daily basis to bring their best. And that's, uh, I can only accommodate when I have a very healthy, um, if I provide a very healthy environment. So this means that we have to uh, be very respectful with each other. um, that we have to uh, know each other's weaknesses and strengths, uh, Mm -hmm. that we're very uh, polite, that we are happy to collaborate, that we are happy to take risks together. And there has to be a, a fundamental motivation to um, explore something that has not been explored so far. And each other or the team within each uh, within the team, there has to be uh, a support. So the entire team has to support each other in order to, uh, to grow together.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. So, did you ever design a robot in a regular daily basis, and you ended up using in your home? So, another term is: Do you have any robots on your home, using, you using already?
1: Um, let me just think. I, I believe I do not have a robot from my lab in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, as, as I mentioned, I, I um, when I came to UCL, I was. Uh, proposing this uh, project, which is not a soft robotics project, but it is soft material related. So we built mechan- purely mechanical driven haptic feedback devices for prosthesis, And I think um, this was recently nominated by uh, a campaign called Made at UCL. And mm-hmm. this acknowledges uh, research that has uh, great potential to, to positively impact uh, the society and we were picked as one of them and I think that is um, showing that maybe it's not soft robotics but a soft material device haptic device uh, uh, can actually has the potential to be something that can be in someone's daily life or at home
0: mm-hmm. Great So as your b2 supervisor what are the Thing is that you envision in the student join your lab, something that you really consider, whether it's skills, traits, how do you see or envision this person to work with?
1: When when a new student would like to join, I make them first aware of how difficult a PhD is. It's a three or four year program in the UK. And I believe motivation is key to overcome or to go through this period because it goes as many of your audience can uh, confirm it goes up and down. Um, Your mood is also going up and down with your results. And so I think there has to be a very high level of motivation and ambition in a person who wants to consider a PhD. And once this motivation is truly there, I believe that also skills, um, technical skills, can be learned easy. If there are technical skills, but no motivation, I believe that will not be the right combination. But I think very much that motivation to work on research topics in soft robotics or robotics in general Mm -hmm. is key.
0: Yeah, so in the future, for your career what you really would like to accomplish or something you're already proud of that you accomplished already and you're planning to continue to pursue your goals in the future
1: So let me just add to the other uh, to your um, other question first the the previous one uh, so I, I mentioned the motivation aspect yeah. But I think also that uh, the person has to be a risk taker
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, we usually do not, know what uh, the end result of our research will be like, mm. but there's a certain risk this can fail. And people who would like to do a PhD should not be afraid of this risk, but should be uh, motivated to and have trust, of course, in their supervisor to go through this uh, PhD program and not knowing what the outcome in terms of research will be like.
0: Yeah, that's and yeah. yeah, when
1: you when you look into what I would like to achieve, I would like to train um, everyone who's coming to my lab. And I hope I can train them and address their personal needs to uh, increase their performance and increase their understanding um, of soft robotics to prepare them to be excellent researchers mm-hmm. to develop their personal skills. And I hope that everyone who is coming to my lab will be a future leader in uh, the research field.
0: That's a great also. So what was the best advice was given to you and was like a life changing, whether it's a professionally or personally you would like to share with the audience?
1: And so first of all, if I talk to a person who likes to do research, I think be a risk taker. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be scared of failing with your prototype or with your
0: mm-hmm.
1: the research that you're doing. Because if you are applying uh, uh, a methodology which is uh, validated, then I think uh, there is no doubt that you will be successful.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: take take risks and believe in your skills and believe in your goal that you have and pursue your goal. Because even if you're criticized on the way, that is only you have to convert this criticism into positive input for your research, and come out even stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the key message that researchers uh, should uh, follow that take risks and don't be afraid of failing just continue what you believe in and you will be successful.
0: That's a great advice. So we are coming to the end of this, uh, podcast. I would like to ask you if there's final words that you would like to share with soft robotics community or people, just lay people interested in this technology.
1: Um, I think they, um, the soft robotics community Um, There are well-established people in the soft robotics community who who are driving the field of soft robotics and I think that they should, and they already do this, uh, should give a voice also to the next generation of soft roboticists. So uh, we can see already you're very engaged with the IEEE RAS technical technical community on soft I think they should encourage young researchers to make their voice heard in the community because they can can introduce new um, procedures, they can introduce new ideas, they are um, more open to maybe rethink about well established procedures and to change them. And, And I think this is very much needed, because soft robotics is a very young uh, research field. Uh, This only was established because uh, young research were rethinking uh, or providing a new aspect of uh, robotics and introducing material science more in the field. And I think by encouraging more and more uh, young researchers, the next generation of soft roboticists, I think that would very much benefit the entire community.
0: That's a great. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this discussion. And on behalf of ICE-Rubile I would like to thank you for your time. Thank you very much.
1: Martha. Thank
0: you.